0: This is the Happen to Your Career Podcast, episode 163.
1: So we checked this freckle. It turned out to be melanoma. They did more testing. It looked like it had spread. And the doctor you know, basically told Rich that he had six months at best. We had two young children. I had been lucky enough to be a stay-at-home mother after a career in broadcasting. And I wanted to raise my children. And I wanted to take care of him and take over the finances. But I didn't know how to do both.
0: Hey, HTYCers, if you've been struggling to figure out work that fits you, then join our eight day free mini course. All you have to do is text HTYC to 38470. That's HTYC to 38470 or simply visit figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. See you there. This is Happen to Your Career. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and then make it happen. Whether you're looking to do your own thing or find your dream job, you've come to the right place. I'm Scott Barlow. This is Scott Anthony Barlow, and you are listening to Happen to Your Career, the show that helps you figure out what work fits you by exploring other stories. Now, we get to bring on experts like Michelle McQuaid, who helps people discover their strengths and learn what it takes to thrive with confidence through positive psychology, or people that have pretty amazing stories like... Paul Langoni, who dug deep into his career struggles to become a successful author that now empowers college students, 20-somethings, 30-somethings, da-da-da-da-da, and they all get to find their signature sauce. But these are people that are just like you, they have gone from where they are to what they really want to be doing, and they're people that are just like our next guest. So I, I got to tell you a little bit about Kathy. Kathy Fedke, who is our next guest. And she and I have a pretty interesting conversation because we delve into, uh we delve into the money-making side. So often on this show, we're talking about doing things that you, you love. We're talking about how to remove barriers from that. And in this, quite honestly, we just dive into how, how to become a moneymaker to become job optional. Because guess what? When you're job optional, you can really focus on spending your time doing the things that you really want to be doing. So it's a whole different side of it. And, and talk about how to gain insight and ask her a bunch of different questions on this too, into the whole new world of real estate investing, its benefits, because that's something she has a lot of expertise in. And that's something that I've gotten a lot of questions about over the, over the years, too. And I have limited experience, but she is phenomenal when it comes to this. So we dive even into learn learning ways to simplify the process of rentals as an example. And and keeping you from the making the same mistakes that she's made, because she's made a ton of them, and you know that's that's how she's learned. So you can avoid a whole bunch of those. And I think you're going to love this episode because we talk about how it is so important and why it's so important not to not to jump into anything that you don't understand. And so many people want to jump into brand new stuff, and this will save you from that. You don't even know how or why, but you're going to get that out of it. So we also talking about some different resources that are available and how to use these resources so that you can, if you want to, begin and benefit from investing in real estate. So this is, this is not an episode that I would advise everybody to take and apply immediately, only If you're interested in real estate and looking at that as an avenue, and that really aligns with your path. So this is different than many of the other episodes that we've we've put out there. But I've gotten so many questions about it, and I wanted to give people another way, another look and exposure to a different option. Uh, Because if again, you know, I mentioned it earlier, if your job optional well, then you can spend your time on what you want to spend your time on. It makes everything a lot easier in that regard. So Kathy, by the way, she's the author of a number one bestseller called Retire Rich with Rentals. She's the host of the real wealth show, and she's interviewed a ton of real estate millionaires. She's uncovered a bunch of the best strategies for creating that type of passive income, and she helps people do this through cash-flowing assets, um, mostly focusing on real estate, but it's a pretty interesting conversation. I think you're going to love it. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think. Drop me an email, uh, tweet me. Let me know what you think. I'm curious on, on this one since it's so, uh, deviating from some of the stuff we normally do. And we're always experimenting. We're always trying the stuff new, but it was a really fun conversation with Kathy. So let me know. All right. Without further ado, take a listen. Hey, welcome back to Happen to Your Career. And I am so very, I'm going to use the word ecstatic today to talk to our guest because of what she does and, and particularly kind of, well, I'm going to say her story and some of the trials, tribulations, all kinds of stuff that she's gone through, twists and turns. And I think this is going to be a very, very fun one. I wanted to welcome to Happen to Your Career, Kathy. How are you?
1: How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you for asking. Just finished yoga and uh, ready to start my day.
0: All right. Well, we got you at the right time then. Just post yoga.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Hot yoga, no less.
0: (laughs) Oh, even better. Even better. (laughs) So uh, aside from yoga, how do you describe what it is that you do now?
1: I help people build passive income through cash flowing assets and the main asset we focus on is real estate and um, how you can create these little money makers so that you can be job optional basically and, and live life the way you want to with the people you love.
0: Perfect. We're going to get along very well then (laughs) job optional. So (laughs) I like that. Uh, And I, You know, I I actually really, really, really want to dive into all of that, but I'm curious what, what's transpired in between way back when until Mm -hmm. now to get you to the point where you help other people do that. Where, where does all this begin for you?
1: Well, it starts with, um, I've always, don't get me wrong. I, I love working and, and I think most people do need a purpose in life, something that they want to jump out of bed and go do. People have this false belief that um, that that bliss will come in retirement when you're laying on a beach. And now that I am who I am and around very wealthy people, I can tell you that many of them retired very young because of their success and found it to be incredibly boring <laughs> and then found a purpose and kept working. So when I say job optional, what I'm really talking about is freedom of time so that you can live life the way you want. Yeah. Um, time is limited. Money isn't. So time, therefore, is more precious. Mm -hmm. But um, how it started for me was um, back in 2003, my husband was at the peak of his career. I mean, maybe not the peak because there's still a future, but he was uh, really doing well. He um, had just written a book called Extreme Success. He was being billed as the new Tony Robbins. He, uh, they fought, many New York publishers fought after him and he got the highest um, advance of any kind of new author. So, you know, things were great. He was traveling around the country, touring and on TV and uh, lots of, lots of media and, And then he came home one day, he had checked on what he noticed, a little freckle on his forehead. He's a redhead and he'd been a bodybuilder frying his skin and tanning beds, you know, for years and bad idea. But um, so he checked this freckle, it turned out to be melanoma. They did more testing. It looked like it had spread and the doctor believed from the tests that Rich, you know, basically told Rich that he had six months at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, because melanoma is fast moving. And if yeah. it gets into your liver, you know, you're done. So yeah. that's based on the tests. that was the diagnosis. And now Rich's book is on extreme success, which basically is um, jumping off of, you know, he he jumps off of bridges and out of airplanes and surfs hurricane waves. I mean, you know, he's a big study. He uh, competed in the X Games. So for some reason, I didn't buy it. I was like, there's no way a freckles taking this guy down. But he spent too much time on the internet researching it. And he saw too much negative stuff and he started to doubt. And it was a really tough time. And yeah. um, and so I, I wanted, we had two young children. I had been lucky enough to be a stay-at-home mother after a career in broadcasting. And I, I wanted to raise my children and I wanted to take care of him and take over the finances, but I didn't know how to do both. How could I you know, basically make money and and be at home. And so I had a radio show at the time because I had had a career in broadcasting and I kept the radio show, uh, kind of had nothing to do with anything really. I was just kind of whatever topic (laughs) came to mind or no current event, whatever. I didn't have any target audience whatsoever. Um, and, and all of a sudden that changed and it was like, all right, my focus is going to be on how to do this. How do I create income while being a stay-at-home mother. And that led me to the idea of passive income through cash-flowing assets. And I I interviewed millionaire after millionaire after millionaire to find out how they were doing it. And many had built businesses, but most had built their wealth through real estate. So that's kind of what took me to where I am today.
0: Interesting. So after doing that, and first of all, let's just acknowledge that absolutely love the fact how if you have any type of media going on, all of a sudden that gives you access to other people that have done stuff, if you will. Mm -hmm. So love that fact. But then uh, moving on from that, what were some of the big takeaways aside from, hey, a lot of these people had been in real estate in your conversations?
1: Yeah, I mean, basically the takeaway was that there's a whole new world out there that most people don't know about, but those people that do know about it are really creating some amazing lives. And, and, um, it's, it's a little bit more in the forefront now because of Donald Trump and his tax returns. And yeah, wow, how does yeah. this billionaire not pay taxes? Well, as terrible as that sounds, um, you know, there are benefits to being a real estate investor and tax benefits are one of them, just like, uh, there are, credits to business for creating jobs and so forth. So these, these benefits exist, but most people don't know about them. And, and so as I learned this whole new world, like I said, you know, no one taught me. I, I just figured, you know, we went to a financial planner and that financial planner told us to do what everybody does or you're supposed to do, which is to save 10% invest 10%. Don't worry about it in 30 years when you retire, it'll be there for you. Um, but, you know, first of all, we blew through that as soon as we had the medical bills. All of our savings were gone. Yeah. um, it, it didn't work. and And for many people in two thousand and seven, that advice was terrible advice. They'd spent thirty years building a retirement. and bam, it was gone uh, during that market crash. And when, when uh, you know, the first group of baby boomers were retiring, it uh, that little plan didn't work. And it didn't work for us either, where suddenly, even at the peak of rich's career we we found ourselves broke from from these medical bills um which kind of again simultaneously to my show the real wealth show where i was just interviewing i had a, a whole new focus which was how do you create money um and ideally passively and at the same time we had just bought a big house and um and it was kind of a fluke i mean this all like i said came together at the same time my dad had invested in an apartment building he was a silent partner didn't pay any attention to it he was a dentist and just kind of you know like i said it was just he, he was able to take massive tax breaks from that apartment building but it, since it was in california there wasn't really any cash flow just just great tax benefits yeah. well Unfortunately, if somebody, you know, if that property gets sold, guess what? You got to pay those tax benefits back. It's crazy. People don't realize that. Don't sell property unless you talk to a CPA. But the the uh, manager sold it, and my dad was faced with a few hundred thousand dollars in a in a tax bill he wasn't expecting just just before he was ready to retire, which would have prevented him from retiring. So, he. He was panicked. He had two weeks that you get 45 days after selling a property to buy a replacement property, or or you pay those taxes. That's called a 1031 exchange. Yeah. So he had two weeks after these partners sold the apartment, or he was gonna make a huge check. He was basically gonna go write a huge port part of his retirement to the IRS. And I was like, Well, Dad, what you know, how can I help you? And Rich and I had just got married. And so He's like, I gotta find a property. I'm like, okay, what were you stressed out about? Let me help you with that. I wasn't in real estate, although I had this show that I was starting to learn about it. And he, he was like, well, um, you know, I, I it has to be a rental. And I said, well, I'm I'm your daughter. How about I rent it from you? And that there was our solution. So he let me go out and find a property that I'd want to live in and that we would take care of and rent from dad and save him from all these taxes, then he wouldn't have to really technically be a landlord. Right. And, uh, and so I found this massive house and it, it was like a six bedroom home. We were able to rent out the in-law suite in it. And turned out we were paying less to live there than when we were renting. So it was wonderful for us. Um, and but saved dad. we saved so that's dad, enormous. we saved dad, but we took on a massive mortgage because yeah. we told him we would take care of everything. We would, Refinance it, pay him back everything he put in it, and we did, um, with the uh, agreement that eventually we would inherit it. But now what we had was a four thousand dollar a month mortgage, mm-hmm. and so this blessing turned into a curse when suddenly we were in this situation and had no money, and so um, that again was like, hey, well, turn make lemonade out of lemons, right? So I, I just thought it's a six bedroom house. I'm gonna. I'm going to make this make money. And Rich went away for the weekend to go rock climbing. And he came back to a house full of renters.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So how long ago was this, first of all? um,
1: That was actually in 97. In
0: 96. So this is like very much pre-Airbnb.
1: Oh yeah, it was like Craigslist. I think the internet just came out and there was this thing called Craigslist, and we were like, hey, let's find some tenants. Let's do this. I, I literally, he came home to having to wait in line to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But it got us through our hard time, you know? Yeah. We were able to pay the mortgage and keep the house.
0: Yeah. So what else did you learn from that experience aside from don't do that in that way again?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, the biggest learning was that most people are totally unprepared for emergency. Most people are totally unprepared for ever being able to retire. And most people don't even want to talk about it or think about it because right now we're just trying to figure out today, not let alone tomorrow. And, and so it was just a really in your face kind of thing. And, but the big lesson was use the resources that you have. So the resources I had was this big house that was an originally a blessing then a curse and suddenly a blessing again, because we rented all these rooms out and were able to actually live there for free. And that helped a lot. Of course, at some point we were really tired of, <laughs> you know, I think at some point there was like eight people in the house. Yeah, you know? It was <laughs> crazy. And we had two small children too. But, um, uh, but then I learned how to be a landlord. And at the same time doing, doing this radio show that, um, you know, it was teaching me more about it. um, And and so at that time, now, again, I had to figure out how do I make money that doesn't involve having to share my kitchen with other people in my bathroom. And so, you know, it was like, okay, well, use your resources, use your resources. I had that radio show still. And I was interviewing wealthy people and learning their secrets and teaching my audience, who, by the way, Apparently wanted to learn that too, because I had gone from a show that had no purpose or meaning, it was just like whatever I felt like talking about every day, uh, with no target, um, to very targeted, you know, how do I create passive income to, so I could be a stay at home mom and so all hold, of a sudden,
0: Hold sudden, let me interrupt you for one small second, just out of curiosity, what, not to take us too far down this dovetail, but how on earth did you get a radio show where it's just like, yeah, you just, you know, talk, talk about whatever you want. Like, here's a, here's a spot. Like what, what network in their right mind gave that to you?
1: Right, first of all, that's right. awesome.
0: Second of all, <laughs> how did that funny. happen? Yeah, it is pretty funny.
1: Well, I had worked at KTVU and ABC seven and CNN and that, that was my former life and uh-huh. graduated from San Francisco state broadcast department. So it was just a station nobody listened to. <laughs> 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 do it everyone with it. I probably had good. 20 20 <laughs> listeners, I don't know. But as soon as I shifted to a targeted message yeah. and and really like just the every topic was about that instead of let's talk about uh, partially hydrogenated soybean oil today and tomorrow we'll talk about kids cutting themselves. I, mean, I was like whatever. <laughs> you know whatever I felt like talking about. Yeah. That. All of a sudden I built an audience and it grew quickly. So if if again if you if there's self-employed people here, that is the key is to have a very, very, very clear target. Um, you know, of the, you know, what you're trying to do. <laughs> and, and so mine was clear. Um, and, uh, so that, that's, you know, again, what I did just story after story, but I needed money that day. And I wanted to not have all these people living in our rental or our house and uh, feeling like a rental, feeling like an apartment. Um, so I thought, okay, again, use my resources. The show's kind of taking off. People are liking it. How about I get a sponsor, you know? Wow. Mm-hmm. And so that would bring in some money. So I went down, I started listening to who's sponsoring radio shows and it was mortgage brokers because this was now in the early two thousands and that was where the money was. Oh my goodness. You could make a ton of money in mortgages because anyone could get a loan And, uh, and so I just started calling mortgage brokers and saying, would you like to sponsor my show? And, you know, we're talking about real estate now and, you know, it would be just, oh no, you know, no, we've already spent our budget. Oh no, our marketing plans are already in place. And it was just, no, 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 no. And I thought, well, you know, they're sponsoring. I mean, they're sponsoring other people's shows. What am I doing wrong? There's tons of money out there. I must be approaching it from the wrong angle and I looked at it and it's true I was calling people and asking them for money and nobody likes that. I don't care if it, you know, the greatest children's charity calls you, you know, and asks for money, it's just no, you know, you get tired of people asking you for money. So, I thought I've got to change this and offer the benefit and make it so irresistible that nobody could ever say no in the next person I call will say yes because they would be crazy not to and so I picked up the phone and called the next mortgage broker on the list and said how would you like how would you like to be a local star (laughs) (laughs) how would you like to be regular on my show you know I'll 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 make you a a celebrity and that guess what the answer was
0: (laughs) (laughs) I suspect there was a different response than uh, hey hand me cash
1: Yeah. It was like, when can you get to my office? (laughs) (laughs) So I did, I got my, I got dressed, went to the, his office and, and I said, here's all the ways I can let the world know who you are and the great things you're doing. And it's going to cost you some money. And I, I, I put another zero next to the number from what I had been asking before. It was way, way more money. And he didn't even blink, did not even blink. He said, yes, signed on the dotted line. And then I came home to my husband and said, oh, dear, what have I done? I just sold my soul. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to do a bunch of shows on mortgages. <laughs> but, but what it ended up being, once again, it was a blessing. I didn't know until um, it came that this guy was actually a, a real estate investor. and And the loans he was giving out to people was helping them buy assets and in particular real estate that was cash flowing. And so all of a sudden mortgages were fascinating. Like how did, you know, I just started interviewing his clients. Like, what did you do with this loan? Oh, you bought this house and then refinanced it. I mean, then remodeled it and then refinanced, got all the cash back and, uh, and then lived in it for two years and then sold it and didn't have to pay any taxes. I mean, there was just so many great stories, of um, what people were doing with mortgages and how they were building wealth. And so once again, my audience grew and all of a sudden this sponsor's phones were ringing off the hook. He couldn't keep up with demand. Everybody wanted a mortgage. Everybody wanted to be a real estate investor. And he just looked at me and said, he pulled three checks out of his wallet and said, I just, I just received these three checks from three different mortgages today. One was $10,000. One was 11,000 and one was 12,000. And he said, I can't keep up with the business if you get your license you can take these mortgage you know you can take these calls and do these mortgages yeah Uh, so how quickly do you think it took for me to get my license
0: (laughs) at least six hours at least
1: (laughs) yeah and i overnight became one of the busiest mortgage brokers in the san francisco bay area
0: (laughs) (laughs) that is that is fantastic Hey, I just want to cut in here and tell you that we've been getting so many questions from our listeners about how to actually use your strengths to get hired, how to career change with them, that we put together the ultimate guide to using your strengths to get hired. And I want you to be able to take advantage of it because in this guide, we actually go through and talk about how strengths operate differently than what you think they do and why they can be one of the keys to doing work that you love and how you can actually do that. Plus... We talk about four specific ways to get started immediately identify what we call your signature strengths and then even how to represent those strengths in the interview process. And and, and we go into how how to answer some of the most common questions that you would get to. So if you want all that and a whole bunch more, there's a lot packed into this uh, into this guide. We can send it over right away. All you have to do is text my strengths, that's strengths, plural, my strengths, no space, plural to 44222 we'll ask you for what your email address and where you want us to send it and then we'll pop it right over that's it that's all you have to do my strengths go ahead and text that to 44222 so one odd takeaway is look at what the power of sharing benefits is versus asking for money Yes, yeah. Because <laughs> everybody goes and asks for. My, actually, so semi-related story. My my daughter. I've got a nine-year-old daughter, and she had a fundraiser, and she called up uh, called up my sister, who is a who's a business owner in in Seattle, and she started saying, "Hey." Will you give me money for the jogathon? It's like no, 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 no. You're getting off the phone. We are going to talk about what what is the purpose? What is the benefits? We are doing this over again. So, <laughs> that's, uh, but I mean, everybody does that. Everybody asks asks for uh, for money rather than sharing those benefits in the first place. And it's so interesting that uh, just being able to to do that leads you down the path to all kinds of other different opportunities. And I love the I love the I don't know small world twist and turns aspect to that story. So very, very cool. So what, (laughs) what happened next?
1: Well, then it was pretty obvious uh, as soon as I got into the mortgage world and and learned about it by then it was, you know, moving into 2004 and I would show up at my executive desk and I would have, you know, flyers on the desk, saying you know up to five million dollars nina loans and i'm like what's a nina loan oh no income no assets <laughs> <laughs> wow i mean, I'd kind of go into the boss and say really like no they don't need any verification of anything and i can give them five million dollars this doesn't sound like a good plan <laughs> um and i would turn loans in and the bank would come back and say oh you know, this person didn't qualify. They don't make enough money. And I'd say, oh, okay, I'll let them know. And they go, oh, no, 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 we just changed their income level. Now they qualify. <laughs> oh, no. So, you know, I had my radio show still. And that was again, an opportunity to find out what the heck was going on. Cause it was a whole new world to me. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I'd have like Robert Kiyosaki on and, and um, Dennis Kaminsky and some kind of big names in real estate. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, what, you know, is this normal? I'm I'm fairly new, but this doesn't seem right. I can tell you honestly that people who come into me, get loans, have no business they they doing it. They could never pay it back uh, once these payments adjust. And yet the banks are pushing them, you know, and, and then offering three, three points. So I could, I could do one loan with no paperwork required, stated income, just write down what you make and don't give me any proof. And uh the bank would pay me three percent. So I could do a million dollar loan and make thirty thousand dollars for pushing a couple papers. Um uh, so again, like something was wrong. Clearly. And I I so I started to find out that um, you know, obviously there, this couldn't go on forever and it was pushing prices up. And if you really looked at actual affordability, there was no way people could afford their homes, especially in California, where I was located. And so people like Robert Kiyosaki were saying, please, you know, sell, get out of these overpriced markets because they're in a bubble and it will pop. This is not sustainable. Eventually people are going to have to make these payments. And the, the, mindset was, oh, it's okay. We can't make the payments, but we'll just refi next year and we'll take a hundred thousand dollars out and pay the payments that way. I mean, that, it was just this belief that prices would continue to rise and that's how you do it. There is always next year, Kathy. Always. There's always next year. Yeah. And so, so Kiyosaki showed me, So, I, you know, offline, I'd be like, well, what are you doing? You know, thanks. Now you're freaking me out. Every, this is a big bubble. that's going to burst, but what are you doing with your money? And he said, well, I'm buying in Texas because they have the opposite problem. They have no bubble. They have, an inverse bubble. I don't don't know what you call it when it's not a bubble, but (laughs) the um, opposite of a bubble, opposite of a bubble. Um, it it was, uh, 26% undervalued in Texas at the time. So much job growth, so much population growth, but home prices were the same. They hadn't gone up. And so salaries were going up, but home prices hadn't. So he basically was saying, this is the opportunity of a lifetime, follow the jobs, follow the people. And if prices haven't gone up, then you're going to make money. And so people on my show, listened to that. Rich and I did it. We bought 14 properties in Texas back in 2004 and 2005 for cheap Yeah. and, um, you know, and, and helped other people. We had people selling, I had a lady sell three Stockton properties that were $450,000 each. She sold them at the peak. Each one of them rented for $1,200. We got her into nine properties, brand new in Texas, right where this, in Rockwall, Texas, where a new freeway was coming in, fantastic area. Bought them for like $135,000. So she bought nine and those rented for the same price, 1200 each. So since she tripled the amount of properties she had, she tripled her income and was able to quit her job. And the year later, the properties she sold for $400,000 were worth about 100000 So she would have lost everything, but thanks to the advice we were getting on, on my show from these experts, she was able to retire and her properties have almost tripled in value since then.
0: Very cool. You so often hear the opposite story again and again and again and again, obviously because there's more of them, but (laughs) love, love hearing the other side of the coin. That is fantastic. Way to go, Kathy.
1: Thanks. I mean, the the other story is somebody bought those three properties. Yeah, I from, know that somebody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> of course, there's unfortunately <laughs> two ends to that sale and yeah. transaction. Oh yeah. man, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, t- totally okay. So now that brings us up much closer to today.
1: hmm
0: Yep. Who, who do you work with today?
1: Well, you know, that's a great question because I learned back then because I was new to real estate and new to mortgages. And, you know, I was like, everybody's running around oblivious to what is so obvious to me, you know? Um, and, and, and I'd come home to my husband, and I'd be like, does this sound right? And he'd be like, no, that sounds like fraud, you know? And I'm like, but everybody's doing it, including the banks. And he goes, it doesn't make it right. So there was just common sense that wasn't being listened to. Yeah. And, and it's kind of the same thing today. Um, it's t- 2016. May I remind everyone, uh, very close to November. <laughs> no, um, it, it, it's, it's, uh, 10 years since the last peak. And we have had recessions every ten years, markets cycle, and and now I see that, and now it's obvious. But still, people don't see it; they don't see that in many markets we're in an identical situation as, uh, as two thousand six, where you know it's it's frothy, bubblicious, uh, affordability is completely out of whack, um, and yet there's parts of the country that are kind of like Texas was at the time that are. That have job growth and population growth, uh, and also, but the the home prices haven't caught up yet. So there's the opportunity once again to sell at a peak and buy at a trough, and save your nest egg and triple your cash flow and you know build some equity.
0: Why do you think we're so short-termed, short-focused, short-time-focused? I'm trying to think of the right word, and for some reason it's escaping me. But not <laughs> long-term-focused.
1: It is, it is mind boggling. I really, to me, the, the wounds from 2009 are so, you know, recent, I, I don't know how anybody could, could forget, but people have forgotten. And, and so it, it's psychology. I I don't know. I mean, I've literally had people come up to me at our real wealth network events and say, you know, I just bought a, one lady came up and said, I just bought a $2.5 million fourplex in Berkeley. And I was like, Oh, oh, okay. You know, does it cash flow? And she's like, Huh? You know, like, what? Well, you know, huh? I'm like, Okay. I'm assuming then it's negative cash flow. All right, cash flow is just negatively. All right. Um. So why'd you buy it? And she's like, Well, because if I don't get in now, I never will. Mm. So I think that's what people think is, Oh my gosh, you know, this will never end. And it always does. It always does. Markets cycle. It's that simple. So I think there's fear. Um there's like this irrational exuberance and you know I <laughs> I have always been a contrarian. It's just how I am and and so I look at it and I just when when the masses are doing something it scares me.
0: <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. <laughs> I don't know. I'm always curious about that. I in 2000, jeez, what year was it? I was I was fresh out of college in, in 2000. I guess it would be six. We ended up purchasing our first home. My my wife and I, Alyssa and I, and 2007. I think it was 2006, 2007, someplace in there, right before the bubble. Right. So we purchased purchased high, nah. and then immediately after that, of course, and and I think the bank had I don't know. We were earning not a lot of money at the time and the bank of course said hey well you're approved up to like nearly half a million dollars and we, and we of mm-hmm. course thought well if we don't take out all half a million we're being responsible right but yeah ended that was a by the way my my first introduction into being a landlord for the first time it came from that set of events but eventually we sold and I was happy to bring seventy two thousand dollars to to closing and I have pictures of the checks on my bulletin board actually in this room right now to remind me never to do that again so those wounds are still very very fresh for me too but for for that reason I'm always always curious why we always have a tendency to focus so short term and then, I want to I pivot from there and ask you a completely different question, which is for those people that do want to look longer term and those people that particularly are interested in building different types of passive income through real estate, what should they be thinking about from the start as they're getting into this?
1: Yeah, um the fundamentals, you know, just don't jump into anything you don't understand. That's the key. You can make a lot of money in real estate, a lot. You can also lose a lot in real estate. You can lose everything. Um and so people take it too casually. They they feel like um, you know, they can watch a flip this house show or whatever a flipping show on on TV and that that's all they need to know or they've lived in a house before, so they've got the answers and the secrets and it's just um there's far far more to it than Um, you know, just jumping in and figuring it out. I mean, you can do that. That's, that's like attending the school of hard knocks and many people do it, but there are easier ways, (laughs) there are easier ways. So, um, so the, the best way to go about it is to understand fundamentals, get to the basics. Like I, I wouldn't, I'm not a stock market expert, so I wouldn't just, you know, go choose some stocks. I'd want an expert helping me who's got a good track record, right? Who's done it before. Um, so, you know, that's, that's it. Get your advice from someone who's done what you want to do over and over again, and not done something similar to what you've done, but exactly what you've done. So if you want to flip houses, then get your advice from someone who's proven that they are extremely successful at flipping houses. A lot of people sell, um, education on that, but maybe don't actually do it or make money in it. Cause the truth is if they did, they'd probably be flipping more houses than selling books on it. But, um, you know, so the same for buy and hold, it sounds so easy buy a property, rent it out. It's, there's a lot more to it, which is why I actually wrote a book called retire rich with rentals to make sure people understand that it's not as easy as buying a property and renting it out. There's a lot more to it. It is simple, but you got to do it Right. And, um, gosh, I've heard of people buying properties online on, on you know, just <laughs> it looked cheap and it looked good online. So they bought it and found out it was an hour from any kind of, maybe even two hours from any kind of work center and no <laughs> one would live there, you know, <laughs> so, but
0: it'll all work out. It'll all, but work it'll
1: out. all work out. <laughs> yeah. So the fundamentals, fundamentals, like I said, um, the, the most important things we look for are job growth population growth and then affordability because in San Francisco we've got job growth, we've got population growth, but there's no affordability and that's a problem and you're not going to cash flow, and you're not going to probably get equity growth right now cause it's already peaked. So why would you buy, um, versus, you know, like I said, the Dallas scenario or other markets today that are acting like Dallas did 10 years ago.
0: So what are some of the main things that if I'm getting into this, and I'm considering this is a viable option I want to investigate. So I'm doing my due diligence. I'm not just jumping in because I've seen at least seven episodes of uh, <laughs> this flipping show, whatever, choose, insert your, insert your favorite one there. <laughs> so if I actually am legitimately interested, what, what are some of the things that I should be considering or vice versa? What are some of the things that most people don't realize
1: mm-hmm. when they're yeah. getting into this? So flipping, flipping houses is a lot of work. It it takes a lot of knowledge. You have to buy, right. You have to buy at least 30% under market because you've got to account for 10% in sales costs and closing costs and, and then the cost to repair it. And then your, your profit, which let's hope is at least 10% and, uh, and, and the holding costs. and, And there's so many, there's so many things and your time. People forget their time is valuable. And so, um, you know, you, if you have time and, and the expertise, then, you know, then you can flip, but you have to understand that that is a business that is not investing and you pay taxes like a business. So you get, it's ordinary income tax. So even if your profit was 10%, whatever your tax bracket is, you know, it could be 50% of that actually ends up in your pocket. Mm -hmm. So, um, as opposed to, Buy and hold investing, which, you know, the the concept is what I was talking about earlier. It's passive. And so the government sees that, or I should say the IRS sees that as an investment. And so it's taxed differently. Um, and the, the tax benefits from buy and hold, which basically means you, you buy a property, you get it, you know, nice for a tenant. You might have to update it or not. Um, you, you know, you got to screen that tenant. These are really important things. Make sure that they're not going to, you know, that they have a good track record and, and a good job. And, um, and that you've got proper property management in place, whether it's you or a company that understands the local laws, um, that's that can create ongoing passive income, which is taxed uh, as Donald Trump showed us that, you know, is is taxed differently and many buy and hold investors pay very, very little tax. So those are a couple of things. Um, but however, most people choose flipping because they don't have a lot of money. They might have no money, but a, a lot of time, whereas a, there are people who have money and no time. Maybe they have a good job, they make money, or they've got, they've even been investing in their 401k or their their IRA. Um, so they've got the money and no time Well, buy and hold is perfect for that person because um, you know, you're, once you, it's it's basically buy and hold is basically boring. You know, you buy a property and you rent it out and now there's nothing to do (laughs) except collect checks, you know? Um, so you kind of have to understand first of all, what you're trying to achieve. That would be first and foremost, what is your goal? What do you want from doing this? And then you need to understand the tax consequences because, the tax consequences can wipe out the entire investment without you even knowing Um, or can double the investment you know, if you do it right. So, um, understanding those tax qu- consequences, understanding your asset protection rights. So if you are buying a rental property in San Francisco, um, you may not have no rights, you know, basically you, you may be in an area that has rent control or where uh, somebody is able to file bankruptcy and live in that property for, for six months to a year or more, um, you know, which again, these are tenant friendly states, um, so you've you've got to understand your your protection and also the kind of entities that you would put it in to protect yourself. So th- these are just some of the basics. You would need to understand finance and whether that's a good idea for you, whether you qualify. And most people are shocked to find out that it's actually almost easier to qualify for an investment property than a primary these days. It's crazy, and you can get up to ten investment loans conventional. So you could pay four percent or less. And get up to ten loans, um, and it's almost easier because you get to count the rental income. It's a business; it's just treated differently. Um, a lot of people don't know that they can self-direct their IRA. They can they can use their IRA funds to purchase real estate. Just you just can't do it in the way that it's probably structured right now, because you're probably in a brokerage house that doesn't allow real estate, but that doesn't mean your IRA doesn't allow real estate. It absolutely does, but you have to self-direct it. So, you know, basically you got, you've got to understand the fundamentals and know what are you trying to achieve and what is the strategy that's going to get you there the fastest.
0: I love that. I love that. Really mm-hmm. start with the end in mind is part absolutely. of what I'm taking from that. Now, Let's say that I am really interested in in buy and hold, and that puts me in the landlord category then potentially mhm what what are some of the things that uh that I should be considering there because I know the first time I was a landlord, and granted I was somewhat forced into it my first time around, there mm-hmm. was a lot that I did not uh, expect or nor yeah. understand going into that,
1: oh, me too. I mean, like I told you the first time it was just our own house, <laughs> you know we- oh yeah which was a little bit easier to control, but, um, (laughs) but still you got to follow laws. There are uh, very strict laws on being a landlord. And if you don't know them, um, you know, things come back and haunt you. So, um, yeah, the first, some of the first investments we did, we managed ourselves. I uh, bought a property and felt bad for the guy he'd been foreclosed on. And I'm like, nobody will rent to him. This poor guy, you know, he's got bad credit Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be that person and I'm going to be that good person and rent to him. Well, um, I didn't, I didn't know how to put a lease together properly. I didn't understand the laws. This property was in Idaho and, um, this guy just ended up (laughs) milking it as far as he could. Every single month there was a new excuse as to why he couldn't pay. Um, I mean, he lived in there for months for free and we had this massive payment that we had to make and he got to just live there for free. And until we finally got him out, it was very, very difficult to do. And that is all because of lack of knowledge. And so now, you know, we, that's part of what I've created at Real Wealth Network is a way to simplify the process for people. So you don't make the mistakes I made. Um, and one of the ways we do that is we do very, very extensive vetting on different property managers nationwide to find out. You know, how long have they been in business? What are their, what's the screening process for uh, finding tenants? What do they look for? What's their eviction rate? If they have a high eviction rate, they're obviously not picking the right people. Um, so there, there's just a lot of, uh, uh, you know, the, we, we screen all these different property managers and then offer that list to our 24,000 members um, at Real Wealth Network. And what's great about that is, Let's say we're recommending a property manager in Dallas who's, you know, passed our very rigorous vetting process and we really like them and things go good, but then suddenly things go bad. Let's say, you know, things happen that maybe they're going, the pro- you know, the property manager is going through a divorce yeah. or maybe has a, an illness. Just something happened and their services start to suffer. Um, then we can go to them and find out what the problem is if we start to hear complaints. And if we can't help them fix it, then we would have no choice but to find a different property manager who will take care of our members. And so that gives people leverage that they wouldn't have otherwise uh, if they were just a one-off investor. It's like if we're talking hundreds of investors, no property manager wants to lose that kind of business. And so we have a little bit louder voice. Uh, So that's, that's one of the services that we provided. We also... Um, Got this network of really experienced real estate investors who know how to find properties at auctions and probate sales. And, you know, through those bandit signs and also on the MLS, they have a network. They find properties for cheap and they know how to fix them. And they have teams in place and based on um, economies of scale are able to get materials for cheap and renovate all that. And kind of just do it for you so that you're not sitting there going, yeah, I love what Kathy's saying, but how do I buy a property in <laughs> Texas? You know, <laughs> I mean, you'd have to fly out there, you'd have to meet with agents, you'd have to meet with property managers, you'd have to yeah, manage construction crews. It's hard to do in your own home, let alone in another state. So um, it's another service that we ended up providing, um, was, you know, just putting this all together for what we call turnkey real estate investment.
0: Very, very cool. I love that well first of all i love what you're doing and how you're doing it and that it's it's actually different from some of the other things that i've seen out there so i really really appreciate that and then at the same time thank you for letting me get deep into some of these different areas and helping our listeners understand uh, at least at a at a scratching the entry level uh, standpoint and I, I very very much appreciate you taking the time and making the time but i am curious where can people go if they want to, if they want more Kathy, if they, uh, <laughs> if they, if they're more interested in this and want to want to dig a little bit deeper.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They can go to RealWealthnetwork.com. Um, membership is free, but you don't have to join if you don't want to, we don't spam and we don't sell uh, email addresses, but, um, still you can get tons of information there at RealWealthnetwork.com. And, um, and then I have The Real Wealth Show on iTunes still. It's the same show that I you know, started 12, 13 years ago. Um, and I still interview experts and I still uh, stay on top of the changes and market trends consistently because things are changing now faster than ever before. Mm-hmm. So tons of information on The Real Wealth Show. And then my book, Retire Rich with Rentals, I highly recommend, whether you're new or experienced, to, um, to get that. It's on Amazon. It's, I don't know, 20 bucks or a dollar if you're on Kindle or whatever. It's cheap. And that is, uh, from what I hear and what I'm told, it's an easy read, which was my intention. It can be read in one afternoon, but it will really ensure that you have the checklist you need to make sure you don't overlook anything. And and you need that because there's so much protection Provided in real estate as long as you use it Uh, But you know, I've had myself I've done this and I've seen others do it if you skip a step you will regret it I actually bought a property through a friend and um, Didn't get an inspection what a dummy, you know, I tell everybody to get one but I didn't and you know, it was a friend and I was busy and we needed to close anyway It ended up just being a nightmare just a nightmare. And that, that simple $350 inspection would have saved me thousands and thousands of dollars, but more time and, sp- and stress. So again, as you know, like this checklist, just, just you, 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 there's so much in place for you to make real estate investing a positive experience. So make it that don't, it's not a guessing game, <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: We we don't like guessing games around here, as it turns out.
1: Yeah, not in real estate. Not
0: in real estate. Thank you so very much, Kathy. This has been awesome. I, I very much appreciate it. I'm sure HTY Sears absolutely will love this too. And yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh,
1: thank you. I really appreciate it. It was fun.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time and and making the time and spending it with us. If you've listened to the show for more than 17 seconds, then you probably know by now that I I value and appreciate that a whole lot. When you can spend your time anywhere and we ultimately have the choice, then I really appreciate you taking the time and coming back every single week to to spend it with us. We're going to keep putting out conversations like this one, um, and trying to expose you to a lot of different, a lot of different things, and that's that's part of what uh, what I try to do is expand your horizons. Because when you do that, then you start to realize what really can be possible, and you can choose the right path for you. Because every path is is different. All right, hey, here's what's coming up next week on Happen to Your Career. We've just pretty much finished up at the end of a pretty fun pretty interesting pretty out there pretty uncomfortable journey trip I don't I don't even know what to call it too long for a vacation adventure adventure <laughs> yeah adventure there we go that's a good one yeah adventure <laughs> we've just finished up an adventure
1: to take the whole family that was the other thing people were surprised that we were taking our children with us for Why six would you weeks
0: do that oh my goodness
1: um well I think when the um, Hgyc business came into mind, Um, Part of the priority was to make it a business where we had flexibility and freedom uh, to work from anywhere, to have some other experiences, to do some other things, and to be more involved with the kids um, or have them more involved with us, I guess.
0: Hey, thanks so much. We'll see you next week on HTYC. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button so that you get... Every single episode just downloads right in your sleep and you don't have to do anything else. And we'll see you here next Monday on HTYC. All right. Adios. I'm out.